welcome to episode 7 of Salotcast this season. Myself, Ollie, and Glyn as always. How you doing, Glyn? Alright, mate. We're recording on a Sunday morning, aren't we? Which is quite unusual for us. Yeah. We normally normally on a Sunday Sunday night. But um, yeah, combination of work factors and stuff going on today. But actually, it's one of those games, Ollie, um, the Shrewsbury Gillingham game, which is obviously what we'll cover today, that I'm quite happy to get out of my system because... Uh, yeah, certainly a lot of uh, things to talk about. And you just described us thinking about our episodes or our podcast saying maybe we call this one more questions than answers. So yeah, might might use that, Ollie, but definitely a feeling after that game, isn't it? Yeah, there is. Um, <laughs> yesterday for me was not the best day. Um, I don't like painting. And I spent most of the day yesterday painting and watching the football. Oh God, watching paint dry twice, Ollie. <laughs> yeah, so not the best, not the best. So actually, yeah, I'm not in my normal place. So maybe I'm... In the house, I'm not in my office because it's being painted. Oh, so yeah, I thought I decided better paint it considering I live in there. Um, so, well, the podcast's all different this week, Ollie. But unfortunately, uh, the nature of Shrewsbury results is not any yeah. different, and um, no. I think that's going to be the, the main issue of it, really, isn't it? And um, yeah, only the one game to cover this week, and, and obviously no sign news, which is interesting, Ollie. No signings um, since we got Leon Clark in last Apart week. Apart so. from Tracy, Tracy turned up. Yeah, is that is that news? I don't know. <laughs> I guess it's some kind of news, but um, it's something. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, there's something. Uh, so I guess yeah, we might as well just jump into, it, haven't we? On the byline, tees up, not a post, scores, scores, turn in front. So yeah, this week's game: Shrewsbury Town one, Gillingham one. Uh, our goal through Brad Walker on 12 minutes, and their goal on 94 um, through Mr. Graham. Um, I don't know what his first name is. I couldn't be bothered to check, Ollie. But unfortunately, everybody who's uh, ex- excited to listen to this podcast. We're going to do some stats, Ollie, aren't we? Because we, we did a few last week and, and had a bit of feedback on them, but we do need to put a bit of everything in context, I think. And stats do do that sometimes, particularly with our league form, um, don't they, Ollie? Because it's quite stark sometimes. Yeah. And so we just went and had a look at a few things, really. Um, we should just mention before this game, um, Gillingham were unbeaten in their last 10 away games. So it's obviously a decent team um, away from home, which was, yeah. was, was a slight issue. So we do need to um, you know, add that to uh, add that to the sort of ruminations when we get to the end of the game. But yeah, we just thought we'd go back and have a look at Ricketts again in the Football League because these this start to this season has just continued the pattern like we said last week. So in the Football League, Sam Ricketts has now played 64 games and has only won 16 of them. 25% win percentage um, with draw and loss at 38% each, Ollie. So yeah, 25% of, of winning your games in the league is, is normally going to have you down the bottom of the league, isn't it, fundamentally? so It's pretty abject. 25%. I didn't realise it was that low. Yeah. I was genuinely surprised when I when I saw you put that in the agenda. Sorry. <laughs> well, yeah, there we go. This is why we need to start to, to have a think about these things again. I mean, in the last 10 league games, if we include the end of last season, we've lost five, drawn three, um, and won two, which, uh, you know, is, is not the best. Obviously, only the two wins, but those are those ones quite near the end of last season. Obviously, we're not won this season yet. And we are now five games um, in the league without a win, obviously, um, which is interesting because I do these um, I do these spreadsheets for our podcast and, and other bits and pieces we do, and I've got a, a record of the worst ever league runs and um, Ricketts is already on it twice um, he needs to have gone eight games without a win which he's already done twice so he's back up to five again now so God, if he gets on that list three times in a row I'll be pretty worried to be honest with you um, we're now already four points behind last season Ollie um, where we were last year I know we started slightly better last season didn't we and everyone was quite encouraged with the start but we're already starting to drop behind that um, and it is also now the second worst start to a League One season um, since we came back into League One under under Turner um, we're only one point better off now than we were after four games of ASCII worrying and yeah just another comparison really and this one's always a bit unfair on Ricketts I think to some respects because he has managed all of his games in League One but 
after um, 64 league games, which is what he's up to now, he's the worst performing manager since we moved to the New Meadow. He's only accrued 72 points in 64 league games. And just to some context, um, Peter's got 78, so that's you know six points more. Simpson got 91, Hurst got 106, Mellon had 109, and Turner had 113. So it, you know a lot of those games, the other managers were in League One, League One, sorry, League Two, um, which is uh, you know obviously we were better in League Two in terms of our standing. But 72 points in 64 league games in general um, is is not going to be good enough to keep our heads above water for too much longer, is it? And, and things are going to have to slightly turn around um, because at the moment he's falling behind all the other managers. He's not closing the gap to Peters. He's he's falling further behind, and it's just you know we do compare managers to other managers, and and, and it is a worry when you look at all these stats. Yeah, those guys that tempered it to just to finish in really low um, in the relegation zone and in the bottom half are yeah feeling um, you know the chuffed that they've made. Um, so far made um, the right call mm. um, yeah there's not a lot of it's yeah it's really hard trying to figure out where this team is yeah and that's why I said more questions and answers because it's just very confusing not confusing sense it's like what is the the single issue and there are some excuses at the moment um, but how valid they are and and whether whether we had a full team, obviously we wouldn't know whether we'd be doing better. Yeah. Um, but it's certainly frustrating, I think is the word um, to use watching Shrewsbury Town at the moment. Yeah, and, and shots on target is the final one to finish. And we mentioned this last week because we've had two games this season where we only had one shot on target in both of those games. Um, Northampton away, we had five. Yesterday um, against Gillingham, we had four. So on average, our, our shots on target per game across the first four league games is 2.75. Um, and some context for, for you know the previous seasons, it's very low. You know, we're normally at 3.5 last year 4.2 the season before that um, and I think it was 3.7 the season before that so yeah four games is quite a small sample but if we continue that pattern with shots it's it's just going to show why we're not going to score many goals this season but yeah it just continued the pattern we discussed last week so there you go there's everybody's horrible statistic dump for the week and, and I don't like you know everyone seems to think I'm obsessed with negative stats but they, they do keep kind of standing out to me at the moment and that, that's the concern Ollie is that you know we, when we've had good runs under Ricketts we have pointed that out and we've talked about the points we've earned in little spells but they've been few and far between in the league in all honesty and that's what we spend most of our time covering on this podcast so um, it, you know these comparisons are fair I think other than the one where um, we look at how many points he's got in total because it's all been league one but yeah I think you know I, I don't want to have to keep updating these spreadsheets negatively Ollie hopefully we can no. we could do better than that Sometimes you do. Sometimes I think you do enjoy being the master of misery. But, um, but in here, you're not making up something. This is this is not your view or something. This is just pure data. So exactly. You can't really criticise you for it. You can criticise you calling it up. But actually, let's be clear. I asked you to do this. Yes, you for did. The pod. I had to wake up early and do negative stats. I blame Ollie for my my poor starts today. But in all seriousness, I don't. You know, the master of misery might be fair enough at some points in time. But some of it has been a bit poor to watch this season. And the, and it's it's the output of what we're getting in terms of points and stuff that does. Sort Sort of start to wear you down, and my my we'll probably talk. We should talk about this at the end, really, because the, the the social media reaction and the general yeah. fan reaction was interesting at the end of the game yesterday. So um, we're just you know reflecting that a little bit as well. You've talked about the start of this game being the highlight of your day, Ollie, because you were thinking about what our team was going to be in the week, weren't you? And um, yeah. you know you decided to put your balls to the wall and have a, a prediction of what you thought our team would be, and you got it completely right, didn't you? Yeah, and um, well, this is definitely the highlight of the weekend for me. <laughs> Um, proper chuff when this came out um, yeah so I normally sometimes do something on Friday um, obviously we don't do preview pods 
but normally I try to do a bit of data, share a few thoughts and sometimes have discussion with the fans about what the team was going to be. And I got this absolutely bang on. Mm. And, 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 you know, if, if we were playing the same team every week, then that's not really much to, to chat about. But yeah, I predicted that Ebanks would come into the side. Um, obviously, we found out later on that that was actually out of the manager's hand, but still, and we didn't know that at the time. No. Um, I predicted the yeah, Norburn would come in for high in central midfield. Um, and that Barnett would start um, for Cummings and that Clark would start. Now, we found out some of them are forced and Burgoyne as well were forced, but still, still pleasing my prediction. Barnett, that's a massive shout that was, to be fair. I don't, yeah. I don't think many people would have picked that at the start of uh, Friday. No, I did get some questions raised. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, mad lad. Um, but yeah, just to run through the team then. So it was Burgoyne in goal, um, Goldborn, Pierre, Ebanks, Landell um, and Fossey at the back. And then Brad Walker sitting behind Norburn and Vela. Oh, I sort of moved around a little bit. And then, yeah, Wally out uh, left, Barnett outright, and they were off uh, Leon Clark, who made his debut, uh, sort of starting. Well, not his debut, but his first start for the club. Um, although it was Barnett's first start for the club as well, wasn't it? So two two first starts, which is interesting. In the league, in yeah. the league, yeah. Um, so that was it. And then on the bench, yeah, we had uh, Donald Love, uh, Shilo Tracy was was finally appeared, um, and then Gregory is the backup goalkeeper because Sarkic is injured, and then Josh Daniels, um, Scott High, uh, and then the young lad Canton. Uh, and then Cummings, who uh, yeah, out of the team. I bet he was fuming, Ollie. <laughs> fuming, but you can't really have many no, complaints. You were pretty hard on him last week, and I think that was fair in in respect of uh, everything that was. When going you saw on. his pass map and every exactly. successful pass he made went backwards, so I think you counted them. I think there was one positive <laughs> forward moving pass. Um, and yeah, it's, I'm not saying it's not it's over for him. You know, and that would be harsh. And um, but it hasn't worked so far for him in that position. Um, no. Just... And that's down to players as and the manager and himself. So it's a collective thing. It's not you can't just blame the player and say you know that's that should never try again. It, who knows? It could maybe work, but um, mm. yeah. Well, it hasn't worked in the moment. As we'll get to Ollie Barnett certainly gave him food for food for thought about you know yeah. the, the sort of output you might need. But you know, for a young lad, I thought he did very well. But we'll go through that. I mean, yeah, this game. The ultimate game of two halves, Ollie. That's fair to say, isn't it? And um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the first half now, and, and we're sounding pretty down about you know how the game ended. But definitely some positives during that first half that you know we'll we'll want to cling to, won't we? By the end of this game, yeah. so um, yeah, one of the positives was that we weren't <laughs> like I, everyone jokes about it. I would have loved to have been at the meadow and watched the game. I, I would have given anything for it. But Jesus Christ, it was horrible in Shrewsbury on Saturday, Ollie. Yeah. It was wet, windy. It literally rained all day. It didn't stop until the, sort yeah. of everybody went to bed. It was that kind of soaking oh. wet rain where. Like you, um, yeah, you you step outside, just everything is just absolutely drenched, and you'd have been drenched. Yeah, the players would have drenched, drenched in a couple of minutes. I would have been drenched. But def- Malik would definitely have been been going on yeah. with that wind, wind and rain. So, um, yeah, at least we were all sat at home in the warm um, with our various HDMI cables and Google Chromecasts and Amazon Fire Sticks trying to stream iFollow. Uh, we should just talk about it again. I noted a lot of people were um, quite frustrated with the service again. Obviously, we lost commentary halfway through it, Ollie, for about three or four minutes. So, yeah. it's just still these little niggles every week that, are, you know, I, I did see genuinely quite a lot of people saying, that's it, I've, I give up with iFollow this week. I'm just sick of the same old nonsense. People paid that, you know, got their free ticket. Just just couldn't get it working um so it is going to cost us money down the line isn't it and it is a frustration but we did this last week you should just notice it. it it seems to still be an issue for quite a few fans um um and i hope the club can sort it out one day but um there we go i had mine on and it did work okay other than the commentary drop and the first thing i noticed before we get into the game ollie was when the commentary started there was a certain person missing yeah, unfortunately Stu Dunn wasn't there, was he? Yeah, I think, yeah, self-isolating at home um, is what they said on Radio Tropshire, so um, we should pass on our best to Stu uh, on behalf of ourselves, the podcast, and probably all Shrewsbury Town fans, and it was, it's just quite odd, I don't, you know, it's been a very, very long time since I listened to any commentary, uh, probably 
Maybe never, because I think Dunny was doing it when I first started listening to the town. So I'm not sure I've ever listened to a Shoe Town game with, without Stuart Dunn doing a commentary. So a very rare situation. And um, as much as, as Mark Elliott's normally a co-commentator, I thought he kind of did a good job, to be honest with you, in terms of stepping up. And obviously not his usual role, is it? No, no, yeah, I thought he did a good job. Mm. At first I was a bit confused, like, why is Mark still talking? <laughs> what's, he, what's he doing? And um, he's stealing Stuart, jo- uh, Stuart John's job there. But yeah, no, he did a good job. Um, but unfortunately, he didn't have too much to talk about for the first five minutes. It was head tennis, long balls. Mm. Um, yeah, a prelude to um, the second half, if you like. But yeah, it, but then, yeah, it wasn't the best start to the game. But after four minutes, we've had our first chance on goal. Um, Fossey started quite brightly on the right, uh-huh. crossed into the box. So Wally did this kind of little bit of like a flick and then an overhead shot, um, which is safe from the keeper. So that wasn't a bad effort, was it, Glenn? Do you think Wally's ever scored an overhead volley in his entire career? <laughs> I don't... Maybe in training. <laughs> I'm not sure I can remember him scoring for town. Someone will probably point out that he has done, but I don't really remember it if he did. But um, yeah, a bit of an ambitious effort straight at the keeper and... Um... Yeah, easy enough first sort of moment for their goalkeeper to get involved in the game. Um, and then we kept pushing, didn't we? That was the nice thing about the start to the game. Once we had that little bit of confidence from our first sort of opening, it kept going. You know, Norburn had a, a decent long-range effort, um, which, did, which did test the keeper. So shot on target, you know, that was one of the, the rare ones that we had. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, that was six, five, six minutes in, I thinking, OK, we've got into this game now. And <laughs> as usual this season, individual mistakes, Ollie, uh, and, and we almost got uh, punished by Northampton, didn't we, on eight minutes? Yeah, we were passing the ball around the back. <laughs> Um, Pierre got the ball and yeah on commentary they said whether it was like a goal ball mistake but no actually it was just a, fa- a fairly decent pass to, to Pierre he took a really heavy touch and loses the ball um, it ends with Oliver running on mm. goal um, Ebanks gets to put a bit of pressure on him but yeah I'm sure the striker will rue that chance he probably should have done better <laughs> he was off target and it wasn't miles wide but it wasn't the best effort it's a bloody awful it a big let off for Shrewsby though it is an awful finish Ollie you're completely right he just kind of shanks it right doesn't he kind of comes off the, the side of his foot in the end yeah massive let off and obviously it would probably have been a bit harsh based on the opening start of the sort of five six minutes before that but um, yeah we got away with it but we didn't you know let, I don't think that kind of got in our heads that chance we still kept going um, and one of the one of the things that was starting to sort of show by ten minutes was that you know young Ryan Barnett has got a bit of game hasn't he and, and was not afraid you know I think that sometimes you can talk about youth players coming in and, and they doing a good job but you kind of I don't think it's naivety of youth but it's almost the energy of youth Ollie and he certainly started to show that as the half went on you know 10 minutes on and he liked to run at players and again if you're going to play that that two off uh, a Leon Clark type you know having a Wally who'll run at players and a Barnett who'll run at players to me that feels a bit more a bit better than say a Cummings who's a striker out of place Ollie. Yeah, actually, interesting on formation. How would you describe the formation on Saturday? Uh, I didn't think it was too different from the rest of the season. Maybe I wasn't paying attention enough. I mean, they, they looked a bit wider, I, I thought, particularly Barnet at times. But I, I, I don't know, to be honest. I, I, maybe I should have been paying more attention to the tactical setup. It seemed, it seemed the same as last week. but for, no, no, for me it was very different. Oh, okay. I, thought, I thought in recent weeks we've been playing Worley and Cummings quite high. Um, but in this game, I thought we were playing a 4-5-1. Okay. Um, where um, I would say that... Um, Barnett and Worley um, were playing a bit more like traditional wingers, midfielders, and providing a lot more cover to the fullbacks. Mm, and then right. that Cummings were and, and Worley was in recent games. You know, we didn't need central midfielders to come over across and cover. It was more um, Barnett and, and Worley were protecting the fullbacks. If that's the case, and as I say, I think I'll, I'll give to your judgment of how we set up a bit more there, Ollie, But you know, it, it did well. They still got forward, didn't they? If they were sitting a bit yeah. deeper. Oh so, no, yeah, I, th- I thought good. it worked really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we'll talk about this now. Actually, um, I thought that it really helped Sample Fossey. Um, there was a, a really yeah, good bit of defending in the first half, where Worley is is a pretty good. You know, especially in that Paul Hurst season, and um, when we, we played a very similar kind of role. 
Um, he he's good at tracking back, actually, Wally, and getting a, a foot in, and, and he, he won a few good tackles. And I'm sure um, Fossey much appreciated having Wally in front of him, giving him that bit of shield. <laughs> yeah, then Cummins, who didn't like to come back beyond the halfway line. So, <laughs> but that was instruction, though. Like you can't criticise Cummins for following the manager's instruction. That's clearly that's the, the way for me. That's the way that they were playing. Yeah, true enough. True enough. Um, yeah, that was good. And then obviously, yeah, we, we were ahead then on 12 minutes. You know, we actually had a spell where we were on top and. We scored, which is something we've been lamenting a lot, isn't it? So we should congratulate that. And the biggest shock about this goal for me, Ollie, is we actually scored from a Sean Wally corner. I mean, <laughs> that's a rarity in itself, I suppose. So, um, yeah, it was it was a good chance to get ahead. Bit of controversy maybe in the build-up. I'm not sure what you think about that. But um, certainly, you know, to go 1-0 up was, was a good reward for a good start, I thought. Yeah, it was a nice take on goal. Yeah, there's a bit of... I was chatting to Matt from Jules and the um, Blood um, YouTube channel. Um, he was, he's adamant it was a foul. Mm. Um, quite a dangerous foul. I'm not sure about that. Like, I've watched it back quite a few times. Like, like the ball had gone quite far. And, yeah, maybe he does touch him right at the end. But... I don't know for me it wasn't for me it wasn't really enough for a foul um and I don't think really it warranted the reaction um from the Gillingham bench um I think that I think it was almost the the, the narrative of the game made that that one little instant even worse than it was um, if that makes sense I don't really think it was a, a much enough for a foul to me I, I I do disagree a little bit I think if I was looking at this from a Shrewsbury Town point of view and that had happened to us I'd have been saying foul all day long It it's a bit reckless It's he comes in from the side fair enough he's not from behind but it's from quite a long way out so um, it, it is borderline but you know for a foul and I can see why it didn't get given but I could have seen why it would have got given as well Ollie. but you know yeah. in terms of the histrionics on the bench we were playing a Steve Evans team was anyone really surprised man got no. booked during the afternoon for his stupidity and um he is just a clown of a manager. However, he is a clown of a manager that seems to have a pretty good bloody record against us. We seem to yeah, really struggle does. to beat Gillingham a lot, and, it, and it's becoming a bit infuriating because um, you know he doesn't ever bring teams to play nice, expansive, attacking, entertaining football, and he always seems to shit house us out of a, of a point here and there. And it's beginning to annoy me, Ollie. I'd like to get a few over, <laughs> a few over him at some point, but um, yeah, he, he deservedly booked his, his stupidity on the sidelines. I bet Ricketts must have just been shaking his head at him all off. Yeah, it's frustrating. He plays very direct football, but it's effective. They've got a lot more points than us. Very true, um, very true. Um, finished 10th last season, yeah, uh, yeah. which is five places higher than us. So it's effective. It's not exactly what you want to, I would necessarily want to see on a weekly basis, but it works for him, <laughs> keeps him employed. And Gillingham um, are most likely going to have a better season than us, I'd say, if you had to predict which, which team's going to finish higher. I think so. I think so. Yeah, you're probably fair to say that. I know we're watching that much entertaining football ourselves either. You know, really, does it does it matter? Would you rather have entertainment or wins? We've talked about that well, that's times. that's that's the thing, isn't it? It's funny. I remember, <laughs> I still remember that conversation we had uh, with some fans about um, Paul Hurst and people remembering that we played attacking football, which we didn't under Paul Hurst, but we won, and that's all that people really remember. That emotion of winning, and yeah, that emotion of feeling crap after a game is. Um, is what you get from Shrewsbury at the moment. But we're in the positive part of the game, Glenn, so let's we, not get too no, negative. And we should give uh, Brad Walker some credit for a good good headed finish. You know, yeah. he was getting pulled all around, you know, he had a shirt. Yeah, he was pulled. a foul for yep. potentially was a penalty. I agree. Um, to be honest. You could see his backs. Um so it's clearly either someone was tugging on his shirt. Continued his pretty good start to the season, you know, and, and doing well at the moment, um, Brad Walker and definitely deserving of a place in the starting lineup. I, I didn't think I'd be saying that when we first saw him if, if a year no. or so ago. So fair play to him. He's got to keep that up. Um but yeah, from there we we didn't we, we didn't sit back straight away, I don't think. You know, we, we, we had some good moments going forward. Um yeah, I think it was about fifteen minutes when again Barnett got on the ball again and um did really well in terms in terms of sort of cutting in, going cross field, um, played in Wally, um and he put a really 
tantalising ball in for Clark. It sort of, it was a bit weird, really. The Clark cross. It sort of stood up, and, and Clark had to try and sort of get under it, and then sort of try and flick it across into the top corner. I thought, considering the cross wasn't a, a brilliant one, he did really well to get something on it. I think it sort of ended up on the top of the net. But I, it started to see as as things developed how Clark as a central figure was better than anything we've had for a while. Better than Morrison. Better than anyone else who's been chucked into that one lone man role. Certainly better than Amadi Holloway. He's got mobility. He's got really good quick feet. He was nice at holding the ball off and laying it off and he won all his headers pretty much and there's definitely a really quality player there and, and, and he's definitely showing that in the first half despite not scoring yeah he definitely gives us a, a focal point even if it's a, a ball out when we're under pressure um, but certainly he gives us more balance I felt we looked feel more balanced um, in that game um, I don't know if it's just because we're a bit more used to seeing wingers um, yeah, playing yeah. and having a big target man is a bit more a bit more normal than the formation we're playing and we didn't have as many gaps but yeah he's a he's a he's a good player and yeah I'm very pleased that we've got him Shame though had to miss the game but um yeah he was good but talking of kind of like good performances so I'd have to say that highlight that yeah Barnett and Fossey showed some really nice tact kind of like technique and control and a bit of skills in this kind of this point in the game mm. Um, they were really, really. I was really impressed with their their performances. Um, but you have to say, I think, yeah, were Jill sitting off, or we were just playing really well? Obviously, it's obviously a bit of both um, potentially. Um, but we were doing well and, and finding. And yeah, our biggest threat was definitely down the right from Warley. Yeah, I think that we were just controlling the game. In all honesty, Ollie, you, you know, it, it was a point of time when they were struggling to get on the ball. We were pressing in the right places. You know, I say Fossey and, and Barnett were definitely closing people down. I think everybody was. Norburn was running around like a like a madman and um, really putting a lot of pressure on their players. It couldn't really complain up to twenty one minutes too much. You know, it was a good performance, and and you know, all we need to do is just keep doing that. But it you know, <laughs> wasn't the case. But yeah, you know, just it wasn't that they were particularly bad at that point in time. It was just we weren't letting them in the game, and you've got to give the, the players credit for the, for the quality they showed in that opening 20 minutes yeah no definitely and then we had um, probably the best chance of the game for us um, um, yeah another uh, another good charge forward um, Wally crosses the ball into the box um, a header uh, for Clark under pressure from the defender um, but you'd have expected him to score in that position yeah, but it just seemed to just be a second away from kind of getting to it and, and heading it in and it looked like a good chance for, for a player of his quality um, you know first and only really decent headed chance he's had since he joined you know obviously it's only a game and a half but um, I suspect within a few weeks he'll be snaffling chances up like that and, and we'll be away but um, yeah he's just going to have to build into it of sort of working out the Wally crosses and, and quite where he needs to be and, and that timing but uh, that'll come I certainly think he's going to have the quality to do it um, it's interesting another thing I meant to say about Clark is he got that presence as well like a sort of um I'm trying to think of, a, of another striker we've had who has a presence that frightens people. Maybe Holty, you know, like a yeah, Holty-esque presence. Morris. Yeah, yeah, Carlton Morris in some respects, where defenders just seem to be a little bit on edge. There's a few times where centre-backs made passing errors or were a bit, you know, yeah. um, quick to, to make a pass because they knew Clark was kind of near them. I wonder and- if that played into their minds. Possibly. But they, they probably, I'm sure, you know, everyone, anyone that's played a few seasons in League One will know about Sean Morley um, and, and his dribbling and his skills and his ability to get men booked and sent off, being blunt. And then also having Clark, maybe that's what maybe that contributed, and that can be a real big help for us. I think so. We've we've, we've been disrespectful to a doe. You know, if you're a central defender and you look at the team sheet and you're playing some lad called a doe who you've never really heard of before, or Clark, you know, I know which one I'd be more fearful of. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think just on this point, this was for me. Shrewsbury we were doing really well with the ball and really well out of the ball. And at this point of the game, we did some really good pressing where we forced him into making mistakes, um, which I was really really pleased to see. 
Yeah, I think that's true. I think pressing was good. Um, I think all the way up to half an hour, you know, we, we really didn't didn't let them breathe at times in certain respects. And you could sort of see Evans getting more and more annoyed on the sidelines. And it, it was all going to plan, wasn't it? And got up to half an hour. I think Vela had a, a decent long shot, didn't he, which forced the keeper down to make a good save. But the, the keeper did well actually parrying it out to the, to the side rather than centrally, where I think someone maybe would have got to, to the second ball. So um, that was unfortunate. And then I suppose it was it was from half an hour onwards where things, you know, started to go a little bit... Oh, I don't know, awry really. The opening half an hour was really good. I could, you couldn't complain about it at all. Um, but yeah, I think from half an hour onwards, it slowly was the start of the, the downfall in the game really. And um, the first one, which was a bit embarrassing, was um, Ryan Barnett going down in the. I box. don't know, but I think I thought that was I thought it was a trip. Oh, I no way, it was a trip. He did. He, I thought I generally thought it was a trip. And I reckon if that would be if we were having VAR, I think that'd be one of those crazy <laughs> penalty decisions. He tripped when I when I saw it live and I watched it back again. He did the their, their feet did tangle. Mm. Now, I'm not saying their player brought him down on purpose. No, not at all. But it's one of those ones when you're watching the Premier League and there's this kind of like daft bit of touch and it's enough for a penalty. I don't know. I reckon. I, I genuinely. I genuinely think if that had been a in a VAR situation. We would have got a crazy penalty. I'd, I'd have been livid if it had been given against us. So yeah, no, I'd have been absolutely <laughs> livid if I'd been given against us, and that's why I'm pleased we don't have VAR. But do you understand what I'm my kind of my point about yeah. how, how VAR enables these tiny little touches to come out? Well, uh, when when he went down, penalties. when he went down, I thought it was Wally because it was the sort of thing that Sean Wally's been doing for years now for the football club. So maybe he's been to the Sean Wally school of uh, you know going down very easily in the box and passed with flying colours. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll leave that one there. It was it was a bit funny, but um, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a penalty. But then yeah, forty minutes. This is where things became a little sort of untouched, wasn't it? Because. Wally got injured, which is frustrating because he was playing well, to be fair to the bloke, and you know has, has been one of our biggest threats this season so far. And um, it looks, unfortunately, like it was a bit muscular, I think, from from reading about it afterwards. So who knows how long that's going to take? He's not a young man anymore. Um, and yeah, that just seemed to unsettle us a little bit, didn't it? Him going off and 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 Daniels coming on. And interestingly, Ollie, you know, when we're losing one of those those players that was sort of um, in the position that Cummins has been playing, it wasn't him that come on. But I think maybe that backs up your point you were making that we weren't playing the tactic we played the last few weeks were Cummins where he was we were playing yeah. more natural wingers and obviously um, Daniels has been a winger over in the in the Irish league and um, and has come over here now so it was a, a role much more suited to him to be fair yeah I thought so um, yeah for me we were playing yeah with more traditional wingers and yeah he didn't come on and I saw him talking to Whitehead so I'm sure he was asking about the decision um, and I imagine that he, what you said there is probably probably some kind of way that he said it. Uh, maybe a bit more direct, I'm not sure. Uh, or gave him some feedback, I'm not sure. But yeah, I'm sure he would have explained why that decision was made. But I think it's fair to say, like, this was, I don't know, maybe 35, 38 minutes spell. Um, it's probably the best spell we've seen all season in terms of passing, possession, getting chances. Does does that make you more angry about what happened in the second half when you think about that? Yeah, and that's the thing. And that's the thing, isn't it? Is that... Um, you know, we had that twenty minutes against Plymouth where we absolutely boom off the park. We had, you know, a good forty minute spell in the first half and second half against um, Northampton where we absolutely battered them. Um, and we, yeah, just there's something missing in this team, and I think that's where we get to every week. And when we're posting questions on Twitter, we're trying to find the answer. And it probably isn't just one thing; it's probably a, a range of things. But for me, every game, I'm just left puzzled of. What what do we need to do um, to to win a game? And when we play on the front foot, we're really we're a dangerous side. We're, despite what the Gillingham player might say, we're a decent side when we play on the front foot. Um, but but when we go into our shell, 
that's when that's when trouble comes. I think just as we're kind of getting towards the end of this half, Ollie, I, I was going to read my tweet from halftime uh, on the on the Blue and Amber fanzine account, and this is what I put at halftime when the whistle went. By far the better team. Only disappointment is it's only one nil. But let's be fair, that was nice, crisp football, confident and strong. Can't complain. Just need to see that out for another forty-five minutes, and we're sorted. I mean, <laughs> I couldn't have been more very wrong. Very calm, very measured tweet <laughs> yeah, for you. But, but considering what we're about to talk about in the second half, that was a, a completely fair reflection of that half for me. We were, we were totally in control, um, and Gillingham, Gillingham were, were not really in it, other than a couple of errors we let them in there for. And um, yeah, I agree. But definitely one of the best halves we had so far this season. And, and I couldn't have seen how bad the second half went from what we just witnessed. It looked like we were finally turning that corner again, and we just never seemed to do it with Ricketts. But um, in terms of that first half, I have to say, I think one of the things that stood out to me in terms of how good that performance was was our spine Ollie and you often, often talk about football teams having a good spine but if you've got a spine of Ebanks and Pierre Norburn is one of your midfielders trying to give a bit of drive and being the central midfielder and Leon Clark up front that's a bloody good league one spine and Vela and, and, well, and Vela yeah you can add him in yeah, yeah good yeah. shout yeah. but that, to me that feels like a much stronger spine than, than, than we've had maybe in a couple of the games so far so um, that was one of the things I was, I was most positive about at half time as well um, the only other thing I spotted first half before we get to second half Ollie, was there was a moment where someone kicked the ball onto the sideline and it came down to Sam Ricketts and it unbelievable bit of skill like obviously he was a professional footballer at the highest level and internationally but he brought the football down on his foot and just held it on his foot for like I don't know like five seconds before someone walked over and he just flicked it up to him I thought man alive that's a better touch than some of our players have got Ollie we might <laughs> might need him on the pitch rather than the sidelines but um, yeah fair play to him but yeah half, half time really happy really pleased everything's going fine we're going to win this game 2-0 and uh, yeah up the league we go yeah, it was interesting. So just a few stats. So like, yeah, we had six shots. We had five from inside the box, which has been different from in recent weeks. So we true. had some good efforts in the box, dominated possession. Um, and interestingly, obviously, there's an interesting article in the week, um, which compared percentage of long passes versus the number of long passes, which doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, and yeah, we had 26% long balls in this uh, this game. Um, Jills, on the other hand, had four shots um, and none on target. So yeah, I think those stats just back up the, the kind of the summary we've just said there. They were awful. I mean, Pierre and Ebanks ate, ate up all their long balls all day long. They just headed everything away. Um, Apart from when it counted in well, the 94th minute. We'll get yeah. to that. But I mean, to be fair to Ebanks, he was playing with a big um, bandage on his head, wasn't he? Yeah. He took a big... Do you think, actually, interesting point, do you think they were targeting him? He went down quite a few times. No, I look. I, I remember looking at this at the time and, and when you put that on Twitter, I'd look, the second one, which we'll talk about in the second half, is just because he headed the ball right on the bad yeah. spot. Oh, okay. And the first one, it was the clash with I didn't know it was wasn't yeah. an accusation, no. it was a genuine question, I wasn't sure. And Yeah, let's say the, the one in the first half that we didn't mention in the highlights where he got a clog and went down for ages, um, yeah, it was Fossey that knocked into him, so I don't think they right. were targeting him. And to be Not honest with you, he's a big bloke. He stood up to everything, <laughs> everything they gave yeah. him anyway. So, um, oh, no, good. Yeah, he did good great. to see you paying attention. <laughs> I didn't look at the tactics, though. <laughs> but no, that's cool. That's why, that's why there's two of us here. Um, cool. So yeah, second half. Yeah, yeah, to say, actually, we didn't start too badly. First few minutes weren't too bad. And then the game just kind of ebbed away. It was a, a nice Barnet cross, but Abdenas couldn't get his header towards goal. Um, and then we had that corner cleared off the line. Yeah. Mark Elliott wondered whether it went over the line. I didn't think it went near the line at all. No, it's never. Um, and then there was a shot that went wide. I think it was actually deflected off Ebanks for, for a goal kick. Um, and then and then it'll go all the way to 57 minutes, and um, where Clark had a cross, um, but Daniels couldn't get onto it again. 
Um, and yeah, that was about it really for us as an attacking el- um, element or threat mm. in this half. I agree. Should just talk, you know, on that opening bit. One thing that was quite noticeable was that Scott Goldborn can take some horribly difficult for defender in swinging corners because the, yeah. the one where we had it cleared off the line and then another one a few minutes later, they were really, really nice corners. Yeah. I'd like to see those a few more times and than, than Wally's chippy wifters. But um, yeah, to be fair, we did score from Wally's one this week, so I shouldn't complain too much. But yeah, it looked like a good bit of delivery and. Talking to Scott Goldborn, I mean, the man has just been impeccable so far this season. He's been so solid. He's been at a really high level, I think, during all of our games. Despite the struggles we've had, you can't really point a finger at him for anything. And he really, really is the best player so far this season for me, by, by quite a stretch, to be honest. Yeah, he's having really, really great. Good he's, yeah, he wasn't in our top three this week. Um, no. Spoiler alert. But um, yeah, <laughs> he's, he's been absolutely solid uh, May, um, in terms of his performances. Um, really, really good player. And he spoke really well after the game as well, which is quite interesting. Yeah, I thought it was interesting they put him up for the pre and post match interviews this week. You know, a trusted sort of senior member of the squad to go and kind of do the do the interviews while there's you know things going on in the background, which we'll get to at the end of the game. And obviously, yeah. results not being the best, you know, he's probably going to be the best person to put forward for it. You know, sometimes I think we should be hearing from Norburn a lot more in these sorts of situations, but he doesn't seem to do that many interviews as a skipper, does he? To be honest with you, so no. it's a bit interesting. Um, but then I think you're right from sort of fifty fifty seven minutes into the heart into the sort of last half an hour of the game. God Almighty! There's absolutely it no was flow to the abject. game. It was a terrible I was game. Looking, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I ended up looking on my phone at trying to buy something <laughs> for my office, um, <laughs> and I thought, no, actually, I should can do that later on. Um, it was abject. Um, there was absolutely no flow. Like when we passed the ball, like we made one pass, and the second pass would go <sighs> go astray. Um, I think that Jill's probably up their game a little bit. I'm sure there was yep. um, a bit of spit and um, and and shouting at half time in the Jill's dressing room um, in terms of shouting, um, and they. And they basically just really kind of pushed us back and they really pinned us back. Um, and it was really frustrating because it was about this point in the game and from now onwards, all the way up to me at the 80th minute, town were absolutely abject. Um, not as, I thought we lacked energy, um, we lacked pace, we lacked big, poor decisions, we were passing to no one. Um, and we'll come to it maybe a bit later on, there's a few few things to go through. Uh, but yeah, it was, you, could, you could see on Twitter people were getting really frustrated watching this. Yeah, I think let's run through the rest of the game and how it went and then talk about the, reason, the yeah. whys and the wherefores, I think, because there's, there's a lot of things to talk about. Um, but yeah, awful, awful football game from this point onwards. And as much as Gillingham got back into it, they were pretty poor as well, I thought. But they should have got equal. They should have equalised. was hilarious from a Shrewsbury perspective. Yeah, they should have equalised much sooner, shouldn't they? Um, where they had a. It was quite poor, actually, the build up to this. They, they had a ball yeah. that came to the box. Fossey flew out into it, like did a diving header. Yeah. Really good and, header. Yeah. But left himself he had to exposed. make the header, yeah. but but no one covered for him and he obviously couldn't get back in time and then they had a, a good cross into the box. There was a shot, <laughs> but who did he hit? He's only the, the striker on the, on yeah, the line. Yeah, Oliver. God. He might have been off, he might be, yeah, he's probably offside, but yeah, he wouldn't have counted, he would have counted obviously if he'd gone in the net, but it hit him. He had his back to the ball, didn't he? He didn't know nothing about it, he couldn't have got out of the way even if he wanted to and um, it was going straight top corner, Burgoyne was stranded on the other side of the goal, he wouldn't have got anywhere near it and a huge let off and, and it did feel a little bit like at the time, okay, well there's their big chance gone, you know, we should just see this out now, but um, it wasn't the case, they just keep kept getting that ass more and more in time and and town started wasting time, Ollie, which was crap to see at home against Gillingham, you know, we were taking age with free kicks, throw-ins were taking too long, the goal kicks were, t- alright, fine, yeah, we, we we always moan about opposition teams time wasting, don't we, Ollie? But we should point it out when our our own team are trying to time waste against you know not a great Gillingham team, you know a long ball Gillingham team at home. That's a bit a bit of crap to see, to be honest with you. But needs must at that point in time. We were struggling. Yeah. 
But yeah, but I guess that kind of maybe comes to it. Was it needs must? Well, yeah, maybe. So maybe like explore. So the two time fans at this point were getting really frustrated. We were being penned back, and yeah, Norburn obviously hadn't played a full game all season, and Nord Clark. Um, mm. We were being penned back, um, and I'll ask you the question, Glenn, and maybe I'll answer. Like, what would have you like to have seen, or what would you maybe have done at this point? I would have definitely used my subs a bit sooner. You know, we had we had the option for I think still at that time two two substitutes, didn't we? Hi, and Cummings were on the bench, weren't they? Yeah, the bench yeah. was a bit weak, and that's why we we don't always talk about the bench. But I thought it was worth putting it in the agenda this week because we only had we had Love, Tracy, um, Daniels, High, Canton, and Cummings, and obviously Daniels had already come on. High Norburn sub was too late. We did it Obvious. on eighty minutes. We should have done it on sixty. Well, minutes. Norburn didn't actually go off, did he? He came on for well, High came yes, on for Barney. Sorry. Yes, he did, you're right. And we, we chucked out the midfield. But even then, if I'd have been making a change then, Norburn was starting to fade a little bit. I would have probably changed Norburn high 60 70, 60, 70 minutes rather than 80 when he eventually came on. And I probably would have changed the, the, the strikers. But I can see why he didn't want to take Clark off because. The interesting I, point. Yeah, I've got a, a thought here. Go so, you're, so you're being penned back. Yep. Um, and basically, we what happened. Whether this is the intention or not, but what happened is obviously we were penned back, and we and basically we didn't really do anything, did he? He brought on High for um, for Barnett. Daniels went over to the left. High went on the right, which is in essence a, 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 a like for like. Yeah. But why not do something different? Why not try and change the game? Why not try and influence the game and take the game? Why not rather than bringing on High? I would have brought on High actually for Norburn and put some energy into centre of the park. Mm-hmm. But why not take off Barnett and bring on Cummings? Yep. Yeah, I go four four two, you know, keep in a in a low block. Go four four two, but keep Cummings and, and Clark up front. That means we could have then launched a ball up to Clark. Cummings is going to give them. He's going to fresh legs. He's going to give them something to think about. And rather than us being penned back and allowing them to push their fullbacks on and just leave them marking just Clark, if we'd have put Cummings on, maybe that would have been a a, mm-hmm. a decent option to push to change the game in our favour rather than just waiting for them to score, which that's what it felt like. And at least then you can say, oh, well, we had a go, didn't we? And unfortunately, they nicked a late goal and, and we drew. But, but, could, but could, if that was the, but obviously he didn't agree. No, well, maybe, maybe that was, Yeah, we don't know if they, they thought, maybe they discussed that. But I'd rather us try and do things. I would. And fail that way than do nothing and fail do you know what I mean well the, the word that has cropped up again during this game which we've had a lot last season was the P word Ollie passive and you know a lot of managers might think in that circumstance playing a very average Gillingham team who, who were pretty long ball and, and weren't the greatest at times you know some managers might say okay attack is the best form of defence here because if we go and get a second goal that's it we've defended our lead we've, we've gone and won the game 2-0 and, and we have no worries but Sam Ricketts isn't that Sam Ricketts' defence is the best form of defence and he's always going to make the substitute that makes us the most robust and hard to break down and sets a block up and and it just invites the pressure on and we're floating around now. I wanted to wait at the end, but essentially, how many times do you need to learn that lesson that that just isn't continue? It's continuing not to work, and it's happened so many times where we've thrown points away. And I meant to get a stat off um, Twitter yesterday. That someone put up about how many points we've thrown after the 85th minute away, and it always goes for the deep block and go deep and sit and sit in. And yeah, isn't it something like we've lost eight or eight or I can't remember if it's eight or sixteen like points or games uh, like conceded like in the last five minutes or something. Yep. It was similar like that, wasn't it? And and it's kept happening. And it, it, how many times have we been in these very close games, League One games with one goal in it, and all it needs is another goal to kill it off, and we never, 
ever go to kill a game off and this was just another example of it and it's all the more frustrating for me in that we've changed the tactic and we're doing the same thing again we're still playing with the same defensive first mentality that cost us loads of points last season it's cost us points this season and it might continue to cost us points and I, I cannot get my head around it I agree I agree with you completely Ollie you should have changed it around put another forward on and said right look this is we're at home here they're not that good we can go on and win this game and and you've got to do something to change yeah. the game you can't just sit there and everyone on Twitter and obviously we're just football fans we don't know a lot much about football we're just but we're watching it and everyone could yep. see that you had that really good thread that was going off your tweets Glenn, where loads of fans were saying it and Andy Davis came on and said there's not much else I can really say this and then he said something which is really like quite sad he said we look like a side already in a relegation battle oh god <laughs> but we did didn't we you yeah. can see why he came to that conclusion well, yeah. Um, and, and yeah I, I guess being quite harsh on managing here, uh, can you remember a game where he's made a tactical change that has, has won it for us? I think, let's be fair, I think I can remember there were situations last season where he said, oh, Ricketts got it right, but they're very few and far between, aren't they? Do you know what I mean? And a lot of the time it's passive. I mean, we didn't even make the last sub, did we? That's the stupid thing about this, is that we were clearly We made struggling. one sub on 80 minutes yep. when the manager said that the two players weren't supposed to play the whole game. Mm. Does he not trust Hyde to come on playing centre midfield? And talking about Hyde... Okay, Norburn's not oh. six foot eight, so <laughs> I don't really get that for, for that that one sub. I understand keeping Clark on, fair enough. That I can understand that. Mm, I, I, it's 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 an interesting one, you know. I clearly didn't trust Shalo Tracy to come on and do anything. You know, he could have come on no. and changed one of the ringers around just to try something. Um, everything else on the bench was was pretty rubbish, and we'll, we'll get to his comments at the end about subs and stuff. But I, I don't know. Let's just run through the rest of this game. There were a few other moments, Ollie. Um, I say we were wasting time. Sixty-five. We had a nice bit of play. Um, Fossey run forward, but again, couldn't find anyone with his cross. Um, he needs to work on his crossing to be fair to him when he gets forward. He's probably um, our best attacking outlet, though, to give him some credit. Second half, it was yeah, definitely. Um, and then as I say Gillingham just completely got on top didn't they they, they totally dominated the rest of the game um, there was a moment where Pierre got the wrong side of his man um, and, and Oliver went down defending that was yeah, yeah. wasn't great he was lucky yeah. he was lucky really to get away with that yeah and then 65 to 80 minutes I think we should just cover this all in one go it, we were crap like as good as we were in the first half in 65 to 80 minutes we were absolutely awful we, we could not control any of the game we couldn't pass we were really poor. He said there was no energy. Um, just, just as we said, no subs there to change it. And it wasn't, I say, until the 80th minute when we made that change, as we talked about. Um, and then, yeah, the game was sort of drifting out of it. We, everyone was basically saying, it's coming. It's coming. You know, the way we're playing this game, we're inviting it. We're inviting the sucker punch. Um, although they probably deserved it from the second half. And then, yeah, Ebanks took a, another second massive big blow on his head. Um, to be fair to Ebanks, he was brave going up to head the ball on what he must have thought was the sort of sore point of his head where he's obviously been cut. Um, but that caused seven minutes of injury time. And then what happens, Ollie? 94 minutes. Fucking disaster. <laughs> yeah. So a throw in um, on their left flank, long ball into the box. We kind of, kind of, our player or their player flicks it on it. It's hard to tell. Um, it lands in the box. Um, and it's just kicked into the back of the net, a scramble, um, a sloppy goal um, for Jill. So who probably, you know, probably deserve a point, to be fair. I think um, so, yeah. Um, and it was just sickening and proper pissed off when that happened. Yeah, just been coming and coming and coming. And what and, did you put on Twitter? Well, I, my, at the end, I was like, I put, I mean, for, for fuck's sake, it's been coming all half. Ricketts didn't do anything to stop this. Um, and Gillingham with the shithouse long throw as well. I thought it was just typical. If they were going to get back into the game, it was going to be through something like that. Um, and then I put, yeah, one on the manager. Amazing, all, all very frustrating. To me, that one goes down to Ricketts. I mean, you know, the players played well first half. They drifted out of the game. They didn't play great, let's be honest about it. A lot of the positives we gave them in the first half, a lot of players massively underperformed second half. But to me, you know, when you're looking at where you place the blame for this one, I'm going to put it at Sam Ricketts' door, unfortunately. Yeah, there's a question for you, Glenn. 
is injuries a valid excuse for the poor performance and poor results so far this season? It's it's part of the narrative. I, I will give the manager credit. Yeah. We are missing a few players, and then obviously there's a COVID, I think it doesn't help. COVID situation we'll talk about in a moment as well. Um, but you know, if you do all the hard work in a game and you throw it away on the ninety fourth minute, and and you've shown a lot of passiveness as a manager, um, I think you do have to take some of the some, carry some of the can for that one. I think you can say the same thing about some of the games this season where we've been ahead and, and thrown points away. So it's and that's it's, why I wanted to do those stats, Glenn, mm. because yes, you can say yes. Now we're having these injuries. Um, and we're having these poor results. But where we've had those poor results when we haven't had all those injuries, when you when you say the managers won 16 out of 64 games, 25% win ratio, that means every one in one in every four game we win. Mm. So this season, yeah, you know, we, okay, it's even worse. We haven't even won one game this season out of four. <laughs> and, uh, and also, but, you talk about injuries, Ollie. Let's remember when we did this podcast last year, we started last season with no midfielders. You know, yeah. and, and we had a real big injury crisis then as well, and we're four points behind the performance at the start of last season. So, you know, we had a pretty similar start to last season with injuries, in my opinion. Yeah, okay, we're picking up a few more now when maybe they were clearing up as we got into the start of last season. But I, I don't really think that, that that it's probably too much of a different position. And as I say we're not we're not playing anywhere near as well, and we're not picking up anywhere near as many points as we did last year either. Even so, there's, there's that to throw in the mix as well. Yeah, I think yeah, I think the injuries are definitely. Um, if the injuries weren't there, then obviously there'd be no excuse and it would be quite um, clear-cut. I do feel for the manager, it is very frustrating and it is making oh, it fuming. hard for him. But is it is it that the whole story? No, mm. it's not. He, he was fuming as well at the end. Like when yeah. he walked on the pitch, the camera zoomed on him, which didn't do him too many favours. But I like that. I like to see that he was pretty angry with what had happened. You know, he clearly clearly annoyed about that and clearly didn't didn't want it to happen obviously but um you know it was such a kick in the ball for him I guess he just wanted that first win and, and the players played the second half like they knew they were searching for their first league win played with a bit of pressure on them maybe and it, and it, and it wasn't great in all um to see that and and again we talked about this a little bit against some of I think it was Northampton game wasn't it where we talked about how our, our sort of mentality went out of the game when we missed a chance or we, we conceded a goal at certain games I, 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 they seem to just go in on themselves a little bit and, and there is something about the mentality of like when they're really struggling to get over the line with things that just they just don't seem to perform on it, well, and it's consistent for, across yeah, a number of teams. That's the thing that I'm getting concerned about is is this what is missing? And I keep thinking every week. That's why it keeps feels like more questions and answers. What is missing from this team? And you know, you look at is it the players? Well, yeah, maybe. Um, is it the manager? But is there something about like, Steve Evans? Steve Evans? Steve Evans's side worked their socks off. They battered and battled and battled. And the Shrewsbury Town players battled and they came to try, but why do we always seem to fail in these kind of tests? Mm. Belief? Is there that belief? Is it belief? Because... Is, yeah, is it belief? Is it to the players? And that comes a little bit to Scott Goldborn's post-match because I was listening to it, painting again, um, fuming <laughs> and painting. It's not a good combination. <laughs> painting a ceiling as well. Um, and he spoke really well. But and he was talking about so he offered more reasons maybe why we didn't do you know, we didn't keep the ball and all this kind of stuff. But I didn't really I don't know whether it was just me trying to find this in his words, but I didn't really get the sense that he was like obviously he was disappointed, but it was almost like this was expected. That's mm-hmm. how I'd got that feeling a little bit. But that's how maybe that's just because that's what we're seeing. And it, I don't know. It just doesn't. It just seems like we're just this always happens all the time to us. Um, it's definitely something mentally, uh, mental, fragile about our team. Mm. Not great. Bring back John Pitts. <laughs> 
I don't know. It, it It's a worry, isn't it? Um, and the longer this little run of no wins in the league goes on, the more you will worry about their mental state and how they'll, they'll recover from knocks and stuff. But really wasn't good second half, really wasn't good. And and you know you noted how positive the, the stats were at half-time, you know, and, and how brilliant they were. But by by the end of the game, we had 55% possession, 30% long balls, and only 20% of our crosses yeah. were accurate. Um, and, and, you know, that was 50% first half. But we, we hardly got forward second half, did we? So we probably no. only had but about three crosses. But I thought that was a really interesting start, so I put it in the agenda. Yeah. Um, because, you know, the first half we were being a bit more clinical with our with our attacking play. Yep. Um, and, yeah, it's it, it didn't work second half. Um, and then you just wanted to talk about COVID, Glenn. Well, yeah, because it's more about... It, it, if we didn't put this in Sam Ricketts' post-match comments, but he obviously used a couple of excuses, I suppose uh, is a good way of putting it, in terms of what's going on. Um, injuries being one, which we just discussed, um, and height which we'll get to when we go through his comments but he also mentioned that you know we've got some lads with covid which was generically enough generically vague enough to seem like an excuse without actually giving any details as to how many players are off with covid who's got covid when are they expected to return who's going to be missing for the next game you know questions if i worked in the press i might have been tempted to ask however i can understand the sensitivities with it because this is someone's personal medical history and and details so you've got to be careful but you know a lot of clubs will announce who's currently suffering from covid and a good example yesterday obviously was the oxford game which got called off um because crew turned up with Omar Beckles, who had COVID, had a test done at his own expense, found out the result in the morning and has still travelled with the team. Um, and Oxford turned around and said, well, we're not going to play against you. That's too much of a risk. So there's obviously things starting to happen in League One. Um, yeah. And, you know, it'd just be good to get clarity on it, really, because obviously the two players that were missing from the squad yesterday, who you might have expected to be in the team, were were Williams and Ado. And a lot of fans are making the assumption that it's those two that have, have potentially got something. It might not be that they've got COVID. It might be no. someone in their family's got it and they've got to exactly. self-isolate because of it, which is fine. That's what um, Sam Ricketts alluded to, wasn't it? Yeah, and there's been this rumour about Shello Tracy not coming to the club because potentially there might have been a, a self-isolation uh, issue with him initially. So clearly there's something going on at the club. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's obviously not a good thing because you know we don't want it to spread and you, you want the club to nail it down and hopefully they have done now. But I don't, I don't know. I do, I do wonder. And it, I, I, you know, you talk about it conspiracy theories. It sounds like theories. we did it properly, though. At least it sounds like we did it all, run it through properly. You know, if there was a risk and we the players stayed away, which is the right thing to do. And, you know, a lot of these players don't live in Shrewsbury. You know, they're living in the big cities and, and maybe it's more prevalent in Manchester. I think maybe Sean stays up there. I'm not too sure. But um, who, who knows where they are if, they, if they've got it. But again, if anyone's got it or even in their family, again, you wish them the best and hope everybody recovers because we'll, we'll need both those players back at some point. Um, but yeah, it just, you know, it, he didn't mention it post-match, pre-match. That was the thing that I couldn't get my head around. You know, if that's an issue and you want to flag it up that we're struggling. There's really an option to do that unless the club put a statement out. Yeah, well, you could have done. Yeah, I think I think clearing up post match is fine. I'm not going to criticise the club for that. Just interesting, and it's going to be interesting to see if it gets worse or not, or if it's going to be something that's, that's talked about in detail this week. Um, because you know, can't get away from it at the moment, can we? It's but there we go. Be a question for Lewis Cox, I'm sure, in his pre pre Bolton um, um, inter- um, um, conference. We could do without that game this week, couldn't we? Let's be honest. Um, there we go. Top three, Ollie. Let's wrap this up. I went for um, Ebanks for my man of the match. I thought he was really, really good, um, really solid game, and I, I always credit someone coming out and playing with what is essentially quite an in, you know obviously because he went down twice it's quite a bad head injury that I think so brave um, hard to beat and played really well Pierre second as I say the two centre-backs in reality were the two best players for us during the whole game consistently decent the whole match um, just really really solid and then I went for Barnett because I thought for a, for a debut um, starting debut for, for a young Shropshire born lad he couldn't really have done much more um, full of energy full of running uh, and, and good signs to, to make me think he definitely warrants a place in our squad this year definitely doesn't need to be loaned out no definitely not um, we haven't got the numbers anyway <laughs> especially in those positions because we are very weak someone said I mean 
know, in terms of like, you know, you know about criticism and stuff and they're saying the squad is quite unbalanced. Um, you know, we certainly haven't had, we haven't had, we haven't signed any player, Glenn, that plays on the flanks. Mm. And we signed that actually played a minute yet. So I think that's, that's a fair comment. So yeah, I went for Ebanks, Pierre. And I went for Wally third because I thought he was, his performance was so good in that first half that he warrants a place in the top three. Yep, that's fair enough. Um, and then Sam Ricketts' comments, we mentioned a couple of things he said, but he was, he was, bitterly disappointed so yeah so Sam was quite disappointed I actually watched this back because I was there was one bit where he got a bit spiky in the interview with um, with Mark Elliott and I wonder if that was because that was his general demeanour but he wasn't he was just annoyed with Mark Elliott for asking a um, a kind of bit of a convoluted question uh, and almost putting words in his mouth so actually be fair to him he was quite calm throughout uh, okay. so it's worth noting um, but yeah he was distantly disappointed um, to concede so late ultimately the players stuck to their task well but an awful lot of long balls and I thought stuck to their task yeah, so that was their instruction then to, to hold, try and hold out. <laughs> to be shit. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, we're hanging on with injuries, lots of players before the game and lost ball in the first half. Um, you know, after 60 minutes, couldn't change it. I did put here a bit of the point to discuss, but we've we've had that debate, haven't we now? Um, yeah. Hard to defend against a team that was long, um, we're going long and had a lot of pressure at top. But then I said, yeah, again, why could they not change it? Um, Gil's got nothing to, Jill's got nothing to lose and go long. Uh, we need to do height and not a lot of energy levels here. And then, yeah, we haven't filled our strongest team yet, which is a fair comment. Um, but, yeah, mm. I don't know if you make any, take, take anything from that, Glenn. He also said, which you haven't talked about there, that we didn't have any tall players to bring on, which I thought was yeah. hilarious, to be honest with you. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's a, that's a new one on me for, for Sam Ricketts this week. Well, what do I take from it? Yeah, he was pretty fuming. He, he was very calm and composed, like he always is. But what, what can you say? That was his, that was his comment. Um, and, and nothing too revelatory, I suppose. And then there's an interesting question this morning um, from Murray talking about... I'm going on to questions, sorry, uh, fan questions. Um, oh, yeah. From Murray saying, like, who in the team is an experienced winner? Um, and I just on top of my head thought, well, Scott Goldborn's experience. So you've got um, Vela's got promoted with Bolton. You've got Norburn's got promoted with Tranmere. Goldborn got promoted with Wolves. Edwards got promoted with Wolves. Um, Sam Ricketts himself has been promoted and been successful. And then also you've got Clark, I'm sure, who got promoted in his career as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, again, it's, it's that that thing where we keep trying to search for questions to answers and, yeah, experience. Well, we do have experience in the squad. Yeah, I suspect even some of the some of the the other players that you've not mentioned might have had a promotion here that we're and there that we're not aware of as well. I mean, yeah, there's definitely players that know how to play in good teams and win. Uh, I don't think that's an issue. It's just that some of the some of the people we expect to show leadership don't show it as much as I wish they would. Norburn particularly, you know, my brother was watching the game yesterday, Ollie, and he said, "Don't you wish that Norburn would just get older the midfield sometimes and and bring them up um, when we're when we're struggling like we are in the second half?" And he, he never seems to do it. He yeah, seems you, to wilt away. With Josh Vella and Norburn should have done could have done a lot definitely. more on the ball. And just taking some lead, I think that's a really good point of mm. a valid criticism. Um, that you want those two to try and control the game, and, um, but yeah, they worked hard without the ball. But we want to see, want to see both. Yeah, I agree. Have we got any other questions, Ollie, this week? Yeah, it's just one other from um, Pacific Shrew. So I'll let you answer this one, Glenn. So given the current financial constraints, um, you know, would we have to would we have to be bottom in, in November um, for managers' um, position to be under threat? We'd have to be bottom. I mean, I, I'm not convinced that we're going to sack Sam Ricketts this season. I don't think any football club wants to sack no, any manager. Say that, say that yeah. on Twitter a few, few times. Yep, um, I don't think it'll happen. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think, well, who knows? We obviously don't want the manager to be sacked and we'd much rather win games. Damn right. That's for sure. Um, but while, 
it's probably less likely because of COVID, um, and we're not going to spend money on players, and we're not going to, you know, whatever money we've got in the bank is going to is quite precious. So yeah, you're probably right. In the end, it's probably the likelihood of it happening is lower, mm. but I would never rule anything out. Yeah, you can never rule it out completely. I just can't see it, and there's two reasons for it. One, if, as long as he keeps our heads above water, like literally a couple of points above water, he's yeah. not going to get sacked by, by Roland on just that. Because the other element that normally gets a manager sacked is fans, and there are not going to be any fans in the stadium making a noise expressing themselves yeah, to Roland Witchley and he that. does not look at social media um, so you know well, pressure... the man, yeah yeah, the show, yeah that's that's. But, I, but Roland I'm sure can make up his own mind he could yeah, yeah. But, but there but have been times where you know, ask, the ASCII thing probably did come from a reaction of the fans very early on in that season and um, and it has happened up numerous times with managers he doesn't like to sack managers so at the moment I put it as an outside equation but yeah if we were bottom after 10 games and we'd won once it'd be difficult for, for, for Roland not to be looking at himself regardless of what anyone else is thinking but um, I just think that the football club would be putting themselves in a pretty risky situation to maybe spend a couple of hundred grand on sacking a manager and, and, and all his staff. It's just, it is not the time, unfortunately, and Sam Ricketts no. might be lucky because of that. Yeah, fingers crossed we can pick up some results, but yeah, Gillingham at home is the kind of game that you think if you're going to get something and start turning the corner, um, you know, it's it's going to be against, um, you know, Gillingham at home. Um, no, no, no disrespect to Gillingham, but if you're going to stay, you've got to win some games. Yep, exactly. And it was one last comment post-match that I thought was worth mentioning where they interviewed the Gillingham forward, I think it was, post-match um, in the tunnel. And uh, this was a comment I saw from him, which is quite unusual for, for, for some honesty from a, from a footballer. But he said, we gave them too much respect first half. I don't know why, as they're not a very good team. <laughs> No, he like, said they're not wow. that amazing. Oh, right, there you go. Okay, yeah, fine. Not amazing, so, yeah, he didn't say we're crap, <laughs> but he didn't say we're even average. He said it, we gave him too much respect, which okay. I actually, when I first saw it, I, was, I did actually watch it. It's not as bad as it probably sounds, but um, yeah, it's nice to hear a bit of honesty. Yeah. He wasn't wrong, was he? Let's be honest. No. Um, so yeah, then we'll do predictions. Um, yeah, we both went for us to win last week, Ollie, which was foolish. Um, obviously, it was a draw instead, and I'm still ahead by three points following right. my previous prediction being correct. Yes, next game. Whether it happens or not is the first discussion, Ollie, because Doncaster away. Um, they've had three international call-ups, um, so we may well find that game gets called off anyway. Um, we might get called off if our COVID situation gets worse, I suppose. But yeah, not not ideal. Um, we could probably do with another league game to get back on, on track straight away. So if it's going to happen, we need to predict it, Ollie, but I, I suspect there's an outside chance it won't. Um, so I'm going to go for us to lose 2-0 at Doncaster. I'm not feeling very confident. <laughs> No, Doncaster are doing all right. Um, they're a pretty decent side. Um, good recruitment. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be another tough test for us. They did lose um, 1-0 um, to, to Wigan um, on Saturday. Um, they are fifth in the table with seven points, um, but it's very close. Um, yeah, obviously, absolutely. two teams with, with, with unbeaten records, then Ipswich third, and then from eighth all the way down to... Well, that's the thing, if we'd actually won, we'd have been 13th. Um, rather than being um, 19th. But mm. yeah, um, in terms of needing a differential to try and catch you up, um, I'm going to go for a, um, a two-all draw. Oh, exciting. That'll be worth watching on follow at least. Oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah not, not not the best at the so moment. So what did you go again, Glenn? Sorry. I went I went for 2-0 to Doncaster. 2-0 to Doncaster. <laughs> wow. Not, yet. not even well, a goal. Okay. They'll probably both be wrong. Um, there we go. 
that's it. Another tricky week for the town. Another week where we could have done with a win. But uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. Um, unfortunately, we'll be watching it on iFollow again, Ollie. But yeah, we'll be back to cover next week uh, happening with Shrewsbury Town. Should mention it's transfer window this week, Ollie, and um, some rumours that some of our more experienced players may well be leaving the club from yeah. Lewis Cox. So might be a bit of sad news to talk about next week as well. So yeah, plenty yeah. to cover then, I guess. But yeah, cheers, Glenn. Think of interesting and lots to think <laughs> about. And um, yeah, we'll be back again next week. Oh!